Hello, and welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 5.5, a supplementary episode about Ancillary Sword and Ancillary Mercy. I'm Rachel. I'm Elena. So, as I said, we are covering uh, Ancillary Sword and Ancillary Mercy because we did a full episode on Ancillary Justice, and we went full fangirl and read the rest of it, and we feel the need to talk about it. Um, So these books, So this is the first read for both of us on these books. Yes, uh, they're both by Anne Leckie, uh, and I feel that you should know that both Ancillary Sword and Ancillary Mercy also received nominations for uh, Best Science Fiction Novel, the Locus Awards, the BSFA, Hugo Awards, um, Nebula Awards, so these were just as well-received as the first book, and holy shit, I love them. Yes! <laughs> it's so good because here's we finally like can stop thinking about like what gender are they and what's going on and actually just realize holy shit it's a really good story oh my god they're such great like i mean these are space operas so they are essentially action books with with like heart right like yes (laughs) and like breck is such a badass like my I mean, top three badasses in books of all time. Like, I... Yes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> love Breck. Like, I am, like, a crazy person now. I'm on, like, Tumblr in all the tags. I've got all the fan art saved on my phone. <laughs> I'm, like, making t-shirts. Like, this is happening. <laughs> like, I am in it. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I only just started following Anne Leckie on Twitter, like, three days ago and i'm scared because she's gonna be like block <laughs> like, oh but they're so good so what um I, I guess we should just kind of very roughly sum up what each of the books is about so yeah ancillary sword is the second book um it takes up right where the first book left off um there's no really no time in between and Breck is given command of a Mercy ship, a Mercy of Kalir. Uh, the Mercies by, are the smallest of the ships. Yes. Um, yeah. By Anander, me and I. Uh, the, which one? I don't fucking know. The. Not the one that killed on. Yeah, not that's the all, one that killed on. <laughs> that's how we differentiate. <laughs> uh, I, so I found them the best. Uh, so apparently Anne Leckie went to some con recently and she printed up, she printed up <laughs> buttons that said like, you, you know, pick a side, Anander, me and I. Like, which side are you on? And then like, I'm on Anander, me, my and I. <laughs> yeah. And like, like she had like a bucket that was like, which side are you on? It was just the same button in both buckets, and people were just picking <laughs> sides. And then she had like a picture of like of the button just side by side like now it's really clear right now you guys know what side you're on it was like you troll i love you um so yes breck is given command of mercy of clear by uh anander and not just command of this ship but is given the title of fleet captain which means that she uh can command anyone else that she comes across in her travels and she is assigned to, and you're going to help me with the pronunciation. I've been saying Athok. Um, I think um, I was saying Athok. Ath- okay. Athok. I don't know. It's it's the athic. O-E, so That's good. I like Athok. Yeah, um, yeah that's the, the old English would be Athok. Okay, so we'll do we'll say Athok. So 
she's sent there to because it's like the next system that they can get to because if you remember all the gates are being shut down because the Anandras are trying to stop the spread of the information that there is currently a split and kind of a civil war happening so uh breck only agrees to go because that's where lieutenant on's younger um sister is and Right before she leaves, Anander pushes a new lieutenant on her because Breck has uh, Sivarden, and then they um, Mm -hmm. take one of the the crew on on the mercy of Kalir and promote them to a lieutenant. Yeah, it it would have been like the most senior of the um, non you know commissioned uh, troops. So yeah, so she she, Breck is like, I'm fine. I have enough lieutenants. I don't need another lieutenant. But Anander's (laughs) like, No, 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 you're gonna take this one. It's great. It's great. It's great. And um, it's Tizer Watt, and she is supposed to be super young, like 17, like everything that Sivarden was when she first like showed up, just like a piece of crap, no experience. Maybe even, maybe even worse, because this one was meant for admin and like didn't yes. have the sort of skills for actual combat that Sivarden right. would have had. Exactly, yeah, probably worse, because didn't the personality test that they have, the ability test that they go through didn't even give her... Um, a ship posting. So Breck is immediately suspicious, rightly so, um, and kind of through observation concludes that Tizer Watt is probably an ancillary uh, and not and not a ship ancillary, but an Anandra ancillary, which is weird and terrifying. Um, so as soon as she gets into space uh, and they're traveling, she has the medic kind of like capture them and they turn off all of the... Um, implants that you know allow her to be an ancillary and then you know she doesn't she doesn't revert back to being who she was before she was made an ancillary we've already discussed that that's not a thing so she's kind of like reborn and she has a lot of the memories that she needed as her old self because i think they're like preserved in her in some of her implants but she also has a lot of the memories of being a nonder so she's weirdly inexperienced and very knowledgeable um but she is a completely kind of new personality and a new person and breck has to gain her trust and kind of turn her to the good side as they say but that's kind of how they show up in ethic system and and dock at ethic station where they find everything is kind of super stressed because uh, all of the gates being shut down have made everybody kind of overcrowd the station and the station is really upset about it and the government the governing bodies don't really know what to do so breck kind of steps in and tries to do her best by all of the people there while also pursuing her own interests and that is the second book um um the third book is essentially uh the other anander catching up to where breck has gone um, it's made very clear that she intentionally sent um, as many ships as she could uh, to Athic specifically to try and take Breck out. That's how upset the, especially the other Anander is that this information was revealed and how much hatred she has for the Justice of Torin um, remnant. Um, so that the third book is a lot of. Um, sort of cat and mouse between um, the Mercy of Collar, Breck, Crew, and the other fleet that's coming in. Um, And I actually thought the book did a really 
interesting job of kind of playing with time and space and just how vast these distances are, which we can talk more about. Um, but the sort of ending of the book is Breck uh, declaring um, AIs a significant species to the Presgar, Presgar and basically giving Anander Mai and I a big fuck you a big that you now finger. have <laughs> like a, a, a new species to deal with in all of this and you literally have to stop having war with any part within any part of the Ratch space until this is ratified or denied by the Presgar. So mic drop. Oh, Boom. it's so great. Because <laughs> it's like, it's this weirdly like pacifistic solution it's like you know mm-hmm. in most most of the time in a space opera you're really you, what you're thinking of is like you know like the death star or like you know we blew you up before you could blow us up or we shot you before you could you know do the mm-hmm. thing you were going to do but in this it's really like no i we're gonna these are this is the universe this, these are the rules and my petty vengeance is not really worth the, the the murder of all these other people like they deserve mm-hmm. to be to exist just as much as I do and I love that I love that Breck never stopped thinking and I think that's because she was a ship and she was supposed mm-hmm. she was made to take care of people and she really does try to take care of everyone she meets <laughs> even if they don't deserve it well this is okay so the the whole series as a whole kind of tackles a really interesting question um of what happens if you have an AI kind of enforcing the law where it can be enforced as the law is written instead of as people might enforce it. So, I mean, a really obvious example would be like our own constitution. And even though it's very clearly stated, all men are created equal, how many years after that was ratified, did we still have like enslavement? And then how many years after that was ended? Did we, do we still have right? actually codified by law, you know, injustices and inequalities. So, you know, if you have like a sort of artificial intelligence, it doesn't differentiate between like citizens, either you're human or you're not, you're a citizen or you're not. And if you're a citizen, all of these apply to you. Like it kind of made sense to me that she was so, um, that she was kind of a champion for the underdog because she, that's what she was programmed to do is I need, I'm serving all citizens i need to meet the needs of all citizens not you know the ones that it's convenient for me to to meet right and and also like and maybe this is something that justice of torrent developed on on her own because it is established that like all these ais especially the older ships and this and this i mean the station is fairly young but the station definitely Mm -hmm. has a personality like they have personalities and they do have their own willpower and wishes mm-hmm. um and breck just seems like really good and Bre- breck as justice of torrent seems really good at like finding the best in people like taking someone yeah. and like making them better and she does that with everyone she meets like even if she makes even if they fail at becoming better like she gives them the opportunity to grow mm-hmm and I really, I really love that. Like, so we, yeah, we, we do meet new people. So we have Breck. So the crew of the Mercy of Kalar are Breck, Sevarden, Tizer Watt, and then Ikalu, who is the, the uh, promoted, the promoted, promoted lieutenant, yeah. and then the medic. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things that we learn about the crew is that the last captain um, who had supported the shot 
shot Lieutenant on Anander. Um, he, he got kind of a, a I, I'm assuming he somehow I got the dude vibe off him. Um, kind of got a kick out of having his crew members pretend to be ancillaries. So yeah. um, all of the crew is just referred to as you know Amat One or um, it, uh, I'm wanting to say S. That's one. yeah, like the the Bow One or the Bow Three or you know whatever. Yeah, they don't have names. And a. Uh, Breck is at the beginning, like she mentions being uncomfortable with this, but the crew was like, no, no, we want you to call us like a Trepa five. So she does because that's what her crew wants of her. Um, and so there's a lot but of, she hates it. Like she's yeah. super offended. <laughs> like, because I mean, it's like the, it's the equivalent of like a white person rolling in and being like, ah, I'm black now. You know, it's like, fuck <laughs> you. You don't know what it's like. You're not like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's so like they're she's trying to be like nice to them, but it's also just super offensive to her. And eventually they kind of like figure that out and they're like mortified. Right. As they should be. But it's just like. It's like, please stop pretending to be ancillary. <laughs> like, because if there is like a rooted, like they're not ancillaries. She doesn't, she's not connected to mm -hmm. them in that way. And, and she does mourn the loss of herself, you know, like, and the loss of, of the multiple perspectives and the multiple bodies and like, mm -hmm. you know, her inability to comfort herself physically and, and all of that stuff. Um, it's kind of sad. Breck has, Yes, it um it actually uh, one of the more interesting things in the book was the fact that it finally got into um a, a little more of the I guess relationship between the ship and the ancillary and the ancillary um in itself um because even though the the AI controlling it you know is one mind you know she did talk about how like things will taste different or you'll hear things differently because each body does have unique senses and um, that the physical bodies that the AI is inhabiting have different needs. And so some of them, you know, very clearly had like sexual needs that it would have had to take care of in one way or another. And then others mm -hmm. didn't. And it just kind of depends on the body that, you know, that it had. Um, and so here's, you know, Breck, who has been on her own for 20 years now and hasn't had anybody to do any of those things to alleviate loneliness or emotional needs or like the yeah. sort of phys physical emotional needs of, of her body, um, whatever those might have been for a very, very long time. And then she has this human crew that don't it don't, at first don't know she's um, an A.I. or do or does the crew know from the beginning? Because um, I, I, I know Ship knows, but I, and a medic. Ship knows, but I don't think... medic does, and Sivarden does, and then it comes yeah. out really quickly. Comes okay. out really quickly, but yeah, yeah. Um, That's why she doesn't like immediately tell them to stop being ancillaries because it's offensive. Because she's like, um, they wouldn't know that, right? And that that was the culture of the ship that she had come onto, which you know, if you you kind of have to be. I guess sensitive as an officer of this is the the same way any, starting any new business, even if it's you know the same position you were doing somewhere else. Like each office has its own sort of politics and feel and 
Right, and it's not their fault that they were yeah. taught to be that way. They were taught to... Exactly. It's like a stereo... It's not, it's a stereotype of what an ancillary is because it's not that they don't feel anything and it's not that they don't... That they're invisible. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they're just... They're appendages. Uh, I like that um, we also explore what it is that Breck has lost by not being a ship anymore because... You know, the mercy of Collar, like, kind of puts herself, like, in the background to make Breck feel better. Like, she gives Mm -hmm. Breck access to information that she wouldn't normally have, not as a captain and not as an ancillary, but as a ship. uh, Right. To kind of, like, you know, and she does start leaning on that. She starts accessing information on, like, you know, everybody's, like, vitals and chemicals and, you know, what the hull temperature is and just stuff. She does that out of habit. Because she has access to it again because she has those implants. Uh, but that's not her function. And I think I really like that she realizes that. And that she mm-hmm. realizes that it makes the ship a little uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she kind of stops doing it. Like that, that ability to recognize that even that even though you are dealing with your own shit, other people are dealing with their shit, own shit too. And you shouldn't make it worse. Mm-hmm. I liked, I don't know, I, I was really impressed by that development between her and the ship. Yeah, well, I, I think for me, what, um, what, one of the things that impresses me most about how this story played out um, was just how subtly all of the themes that kind of led to that big moment at the end got woven together. Um, but, I mean, it's it's something that, is completely part of Breck's personality is to sort of um, like take the perspective of the other person into account. And then as soon as she realizes that she might've been wrong to like start adjusting her behavior to like account for this new information. And um, so, you know, by the time you come to the end and she's like uh, making the, basically making the decision to let every single AI that she comes in contact with, like make their own choices and kind yeah. of become, you know, semi as autonomous as she can allow them to be. Um, you know, that like it, it does in part spring from her having that revelation that, Oh shit, I've kind of been like imposing myself on ship's domain and maybe asking things of it that it wasn't like willing to give me. Um, but it's, it has, it's, program to give me what I need so you know yeah. I don't know just it, it it came back really like really subtly but like really forcefully um that yeah every everything every choice that she made is kind of layered in with all of these experiences that we've seen her have and these re- realizations that we've seen her go through and she does it without defensiveness and I mm-hmm. think a lot of that is because she can't hide any of that like if she was defensive to to the ship or defensive to a uh, station, they, they would know that she was faking it or fronting or, or mm-hmm. not being honest. But like, she's just like, Oh, you know what? I re- I have realized that this is probably wrong and makes you uncomfortable. And I should ask, mm-hmm. you know, and like that kind of level of honesty, especially with the other AI, because she has, she does realize that she does feel or act or expect to be treated a little differently now because she doesn't, it's not as if she's grown beyond being an AI, but she is just one person, mm-hmm. and she's treated more often than not like a like a human, 
and and not an AI. And so she deals with AI as if she were human sometimes. So it's a really complicated um, and ongoing development with Breck. Like it's not solved at the end and it's not perfect. Uh, and I think that that's even nicer because it's just that much more realism to the story. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, oh, so let's go. Let's just, oh, all right. <laughs> so, so there's, um, there's all of her, all of her not ancillaries, right? All of her units. And they do their best to like, you know, fulfill all of their roles and doing maintenance and cleaning and, you know, whatever. And then there's the one that clear five who is obsessed with plates. I just love <laughs> her. <laughs> like I just, Everything about, she just wants to use the right set of plates for the occasion. That's like her whole purpose <laughs> in life. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Like this this is the kind of stuff that screams CJ Cherry to me. Like uh-huh. And I might just be completely projecting, although I I mean, you're going to have to argue with me about that. But I just there's so much of this stuff that I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like for example, Dleek. When Dleek shows up, Dleek is wearing is really tall and wearing all white and has long hair. And I was like, that is a foreigner reference. That's a foreigner reference. Like it's, <laughs> It's, it can't not be a foreigner reference. Like, I just don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I thought it was a Gandalf reference, but, you know. No, it's foreigner. It's foreigner. Delik is one of the other new characters we meet. She's one of two Presger translators that we meet. Oh, my God, so. Okay, so <laughs> the Presger are amazing, and I'm really sad that we don't get to spend more time with them. <laughs> Okay, so they look like people, but I don't think they are. They clearly, on the inside, are made of different stuff. So, like, Dalek shows up and has a very odd, tenuous grasp of self. And, (laughs) you know, it was apparently made or raised by or whatever, altered by the Presker to be able to communicate between the rest of the Ratch and... uh, and, and the Presger, and she's she shows up, and she's walking around the station, um, and they've got her, like, holed up in the mansion, and she doesn't like that, so she just leaves, and they never really figure out how that happens, but she just kind of, like, walks out, avoids all of stations. I think station letter, <laughs> to be honest. Probably. <laughs> and then she gets, she kind of is at the wrong place at the, at the right time, and gets herself shot. I mean, doesn't really get herself shot. They shoot her. Because, uh, so stupid but anyway she gets she dies and immediately well not immediately but later on is replaced by another character who just starts calling herself delete too and like and all she wants to do is eat things like anything <laughs> non-edible things <laughs> well she she doesn't know i like that I, I think that this is actually so impressive to me um just in a in a literary sense is like to have a, an alien intelligence that is so obviously intelligent but also just so obviously not human and ignorant of of human things and it, it was kind of played for humor but it also like kind of it made a lot of sense in in terms of stepping out of the human perspective and like you can like 
look around the room that you're sitting in and you know what every single object in it is and you know what it's for, you know its purpose, like subconsciously you classify it. One of the best things about doing like mind altering drugs is that you can actually like sometimes drop like that classification system and interact with the world simply as it is without um, like the imposition of, oh, this is a chair, this is a book you know like you can just sort of look at it i don't know like the molecules of what it is almost oh my um, god okay <laughs> but so the the press guard don't have um they don't have so the... hello you might be bleak <laughs> <laughs> so anyway the press guard don't have those classifications they don't know what things are and so they have this almost like childlike you know um like if you if you had been able to develop as a child to the point where you can like interact with the world and analyze and like try and make sense of things, but without actually any knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, so, I like that. I like yeah. the obsession with eating things because that is like a very like childlike thing. Where it's like, what is this? Let me put it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know the the second one that shows and 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 it was also like how how the the presger take. I don't know, sort of like, it, it almost seemed like the translators were in some weird way, like ancillaries of other personalities. Yeah. Or like they, yeah. they only became like a certain personality, like once they were looked at by humans and introduced themselves. So because Breck is, is like, when she meets Delik, Delik says, I'm Delik, or maybe I'm Zayat. No, I think I'm Delik. And so then when the second one shows up, she's like, I'm Delik. And Breck's like, no, you're Zayat. <laughs> And so then she becomes like she assumes the Zayat personality and says, Thank God I'm not Delik. Like that's <laughs> weird. <laughs> De- but that's such a Delik thing to do. I'm glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> they also seem to be collecting object well, things that are important to the people that they're trying to communicate with, right? Like mm-hmm. unfortunately she seems to be collecting things that are not important, but because right. of their willingness to exp- like to not tell her that it's not important, she's like, "Well, <laughs> this is important." Because she's like, "What's this?" They're like, "That's a goldfish." She's like, "Well, that's interesting." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, let me tell you all about goldfish and like all about because you know it's confusing. Why do you have this thing in your house that's full mm-hmm. of fish?" It's like, well, it's for decoration. It doesn't really matter. And like, no, let me tell you all about it because you're a translator and I have to interact with you about this thing. And then suddenly she's like, "Well, I'm gonna eat it." So they're like, okay, I guess you can eat it. <laughs> and then, like, come to find out, everything she's eating is not, it's like being put into some sort of stasis inside of her. <laughs> so it's like, can you imagine, like, she goes home and then she just, like, voms up all this stuff. She's like, these are all very important items. <laughs> like, like an oyster shell and, like, a marble and a piece of pottery. And it's like, these will make us understand these things that we're trying to communicate with. These are objects of significance. And it's like, they're not. Nah, it's a stupid fish. <laughs> like, and it, <laughs> yeah. And an oyster shell, an oyster in its shell. Like, mmm, delicious. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Like, she just unhinges her jaw and just, like, shoves it in there. And everyone's just watching her. Can you imagine her just, like, oh my gosh, she's going to eat. Don't let her eat anymore. Don't let her do and, it. And of course, like, you know, the intrepids are like, Thank God we can pretend to be ancillary. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects us to react or not react. Thank God we can just 
They're just standing there. It's like, thank God they're not ancillaries because then they can't talk to each other about it, right? Like, right. they're probably having a hard enough time just, like, dealing. I think I think it's also mitigated by everyone's, like, fear that that if they don't keep the this translator, like, mellow, that they're going to run off and, like, come back with war against a species that, like, they cannot win against. Like, it's been established that yeah. Presgar will destroy them. Uh, yes. <laughs> so it's got to be weird. Like, I, I like the interaction with Breck because Breck doesn't find anything they do all that odd anyway because, like, Breck is a ship and Breck yeah. thinks all that shit's weird too. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, Breck is also 3,000 years old and has been involved in how many different annexations. Yeah. And so she also has the perspective of, like, I've seen 500 different human civilizations and what's absolutely taboo in one is, like, the height of, like, Nirvana in another. So she kind of probably has a perspective there that if she'd been more isolated like station where she's really only exposed to like one human culture maybe she would have been like found it right. weirder but right oh man Talik is the best <laughs> <laughs> i got any i need a button that says hello i might be Talik. i just i need that i'm making that it's happening um who are some other characters so there's a bunch of people like she meets some seriously like crappy people uh, and is like the one that finally gets to be like, you suck. And everybody knows it. <laughs> uh, so that part's great. Like the ability for Breck to just come in and like clean shit up and tell it like it is, is the it's really satisfying. <laughs> it's so yes. like if this book is anything, it is incredibly satisfying, like props to the author for not only like making everything introduced come back around like she closes mm-hmm. all the loops everything makes sense like all of it like you there were no tangents it's like one of those beautifully circular stories but it's mm-hmm. also just like weirdly funny and it's funny in a way that only makes sense if you have read the story like i it was I think I like read a bunch of like stuff to Joey and he was just like I don't fucking understand what's happening. <laughs> like why are you reading this? Why is that funny? I don't So I like that. It's like the inside joke kind of like, you know, part mm-hmm. of your brain gets itched and um you know, the fact that everything, the fact that there's two Ananders and like that kind of comes up all the time because people are like, well, which side are you on? And Breck's always like, I don't fucking care. Okay. They're both Anander. I hate them both. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. what? what is your plan? You know, like I thought your plan was to, to get rid of this. And she's like, no, I can't. What if I, I get rid of one. The other one takes over. It's not, it's not what it's about anymore. Yeah. Breck's like, like, I'm, I'm following my fucking agenda. I'm, I'm like TCB baby. TCB. Exactly. (laughs) Taking care of business. Yeah. That's all she gives a shit about anymore. Oh my God. (laughs) So politics. I want to talk about my favorite. So, uh, there, I have two favorite parts. One is the absolutely beautiful scene in which um the sort of action starts to and i love this in in these kinds of slow build space operas where it's like all the pieces have been moving really slowly because relativity and like all this stuff and then suddenly shit starts to go down and there's this really great scene where breck um they decide to make you know some actual like military moves and so breck knows that she has to take out some of the other ships in the system in order for her to to get you know to get the influence that she needs on station so she's like well the only way to take him out is to shoot him she's like and i have this presger gun and come to find out the presger gun is designed 
to fuck up ships. It's not the whole the whole idea that it goes like 1.1 meters or whatever. Like that's just kind of a secondary thing it's actually meant to take out ships which she doesn't know when she does this but she finds out soon after and so she's strapped to the hull of the mercy of Kalir, just like for hours waiting as they pop in and out of like i guess hyperspace you can think of it and yeah and like she's just shooting off this gun you know like she's she, not only is she thinking these insane thoughts about like her purpose in life and like who she is and who ship is and who the ancillaries are and just like very emotional stuff and then for like five seconds at a time she's like oh nope gotta kill and then she's like shooting these bullets off into like you know extreme distances it'll take hours for them to like get to the ships but she's like jumping around the system popping out you know shooting at them and then popping out in, in different spots to try to confuse them and, and get a shot off on these ships before they can move and it's just like an amazingly like well done scene like I felt it I felt the music I felt like the panning shots like I was in it I thought that was the coolest sequence like action that I've read in a long time yeah, um, I, I actually don't read a lot of hard science fiction, so I don't know about um, reading, but certainly in terms of um, like like just sort of being familiar with it from watching like the Battlestar Galactica and Firefly and some other shows of that nature, like this was really interesting action. It was like it just it gave you a different perspective because a lot of times you are used to the um, – the action that's like Star Wars, where it's, you know, kind of a dogfight in space where it's like up close, you know, they're right all up on each other. They're, you know, it's five seconds between being targeted and being blown up um, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this was this was space. It made you feel like they're operating like in between two planets where they go into hyperspace for 45 minutes and drop out for five seconds. And it's going to take four hours for that bullet to get to the ship and they don't dare go any closer because you know the ship might be able to fire on them or like guess what they're doing or think it's more than recon or something like that but yeah. she doesn't know like if any of these shots are going to hit like if the ships move if anything you know if they get suspicious if they try and track her then her shot just kind of goes like on forever into nothing but it, it was interesting it's not the kind of action like for being as tense as, as that sequence was like it's oh yeah it doesn't like end you know, explosions or anything yeah she's exactly just like, she's like well it's, i've done the thing i need to do i hope it works out <laughs> yeah like it was it was almost an anti-climax you know until you find out what happened but it was so it was so interesting just because that's such an unusual like but it's so good like i, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever if you've read any like um anything about like ship like ancient not ancient but like okay so like napoleonic navy battles you know mm -hmm. and you'll they always look so exciting on screen, but you read an account of it. It's like, you know, like they exchanged 20 volleys and like one of them hit and you're trying to like sight the cannons. Um, and so you have to like fire four shots into the ocean to even like get an idea of the range. And by then the ship is moved and, you yeah. know, so it's very like cumbersome and slow and it's not, it's not what we think of from movies as being like this exciting firefight. Um, and this had, had that kind of feel to it. I, I loved it. It was just, it was so different. Yeah. There's time for things to go wrong, but there's also time for you to deal with any changes. Like that's the mm -hmm. great thing about space is like, yeah. as long as you've got air, like you can figure out what you're doing. And like, so the, 
what's great is the climax of that is that Brack is injured, right? And yes, and ends up kind of being taken out of commission for a lot of the main action. Poor Breck, but it's kind of necessary because Breck is such a Terminator badass that if Breck was the one going on point on all these missions, they they there wouldn't be like there wouldn't right. be like the tension that's needed. So instead, Cybarden <laughs> gets to lead, which is like the worst idea ever. Oh, Cybarden, and like there's this great scene where they're like strapped to the hull and like like the ship is going to just pop out of like the out of this hyperspace for like. Just a second, just long enough for them to like launch off the hall and land and like propel themselves towards the station so that they can kind of like get in. And like most of them make it off, but one doesn't like clip right. And like she's so devastated that she fucked it up. And like Breck is just like, it's okay, it's okay, come with me, it's gonna be fine. I'm just gonna sit in this bed, I'm missing a leg. <laughs> and then she's like, spends the whole like she has no idea, she can't control it. And she has this like super zen ability to be like, well, I can't control it. And then yeah. she's like, medic, make me, it's like, she says that, but then she's like, medic, make me a leg. Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready now? Can I run on it? Will it? And the medic's like, it's just like a flimsy piece of shit leg because I'm trying to regrow your leg. It's going to take a while, so you can't run on this leg. It's just so you can hobble. And like, like tomorrow. And Breck's like, I'm going to put it on right now and walk around. She's like, god damn it, Breck. So it's like, even though Breck seems chill and is like telling herself, like, everything's fine. I can't do anything about it. Her her action is just like so nervous and just like, I, you know really like worried and just wanting trying to influence events without having any control over them so and of course Sivarden fucks up and that's like one of my favorite lines <laughs> Brack Brack I, I fucked up. up I fucked it up <laughs> oh Sivarden <laughs> so... well if, no- if nothing else Sivarden has grown enough as a person to own his mistakes <laughs> oh my god it's amazing I just ugh and then, of course, the, the, the secret weapon is Tizerwat, which Anander armed, you know, herself. But this is a different Anander. Or well, at least it's not a different Anander, but it's an Anander that doesn't know what Tizerwat is. So she's able to, like, conceal herself and get on the ship that she needs and then isolate that ship from any of the other conflicting commands and you know they were they're able to like gain an advantage that way and it's really all just by treating all the ai like you know citizens like people which is kind of this great like empathy over violence kind of yeah or technique um freedom over over yeah. coercion like basically yeah. letting them make the choice for themselves instead of um forcing them to one agenda or another yeah, and being okay with if, like, you know, if if we do this and they don't agree, well, that's their choice. Yeah, it's a complication, but that's their choice, and they, they should be free to make it. Yeah. Um, so we haven't talked about Sphene yet, and I know you wanted to talk about Sphene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so, so one of the um, one of the subplots that we didn't really talk about in our summaries of, of the action has to do with um, th- the the ghost gate. So basically this system has two gates. One is the one that connected um, to the rest of Ratch space. And then the other is called ghost gate. And at, at one point, um, I think it, it was a system that uh, Anander had thought to 
um, try and take and long ago decided either there wasn't anything there to take or it wasn't worth taking. Um, it's kind of ambiguous, which, um, and so there's this gate there that like nothing ever really comes in or out of and no one ever uses. It's the ghost gate. And so every now and then debris floats through the ghost gate and it'll be, you know, just this random like eh, cargo locker from a ship from 3000 years ago, you know, no big deal. Um, just happened to float through the gate. Um, and so come to find out behind ghost gate is, um, a base that one of the Anandars had tried to establish to build ships, uh, create new AIs and new ancillaries. There had been um, a trade in uh, basically peasants and slaves from the planet that Athok Station is based around until the annexation. And then since then, some of the people that have been transported there from other annexations, which are technically citizens, have gotten siphoned off um, as well. And there's a ship floating out there, and it is an AI um, that would have been, you know, it would be similar to to the Justice of Torin um, kind of ship, uh, but, but it with wasn't one key difference. Yeah, but it with one key difference in that it was created um, by someone that was an enemy of Anander like a long, long time ago before she like right at the beginning of her expansion in, you know, beyond the initial uh, Dyson sphere of, of the Ratch. And so this is an, an old ship that hates Anander, calls her the usurper. And like basically <laughs> like it's only like goal in life is to find a way to kill Anander my and I, even if it's just one oh instance of her, like that's all at <laughs> once. I just want to, just want to strangle her with my own hands just <laughs> once, please. And so she's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yes. So Spine is the ship and she, um, she sent an ancillary to Athok station, which was pretty quickly, um, found Breck and Breck figured out what it was and figured out who it belonged to. Um, and I don't know, they just have this really, I love the relationship between Breck and Sveen um, because Sveen is like so like sarcastic and just kind of, I don't know, like I'm just sitting here eating popcorn like cause this isn't my fight. I don't really give a shit, but, you know, I'll cheer for you if you fuck something up that like fucks up Anander. Um yeah. So. Well, she's like, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to participate, but I want to look at it. So here's, yeah. here's my ancillary. Like, please take her with you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I like. I, I had a had a moment that I think like because Rachel and I were texting the whole time. Like we were both reading these books, and like Rachel kept talking. She was a little ahead of me. She kept talking about how like oh, so Varden has all the great lines, and at one point I'm like. What are you talking about? Sphine's the one with all the great lines. Um, so there was a point where this is near the end um, of the um, second or the third book, um, the uh, ancillary mercy and Breck and Sphine and translators Ziet Ziet are all on the shuttle going to the station to whatever, maybe surrender to an Andermai and I, maybe not, um, and. Zayed is simply being like bored and needing entertainment. And so, you know, Breck's asking her, have you ever played rhymes? I can't, oh, I can't say I have. And um, 
so she's trying to give her a game. It starts very simply, I said. Someone gives a line in first meter in direct mode, and then everyone adds a line. Then we change to indirect mode. Or we can just stay first direct, if you like, until you're comfortable with it. Thank all the gods, said Sveen. I was afraid you were going to suggest we sing that song about the thousand eggs. A thousand eggs all nice and warm, I sang. Crack, 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 a little chick is born. Peep, 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 peep. Why, fleet captain, translator Ziad exclaimed. That's a charming song. Why haven't I heard you sing it before now? I took a breath. 999 <laughs> eggs all nice and warm. Crack, crack, crack. Translator Ziad joined me. Her voice a little breathy, but otherwise quite pleasant. A little chick is born. Peep, peep, peep. What fun. Are there more verses? 998 of them, translator, I said. We're not cousins anymore, said Steen. <laughs> And I don't know if that's funny at all to you people listening, but I, like, had to put the book down and laugh for, like, five minutes when I read that <laughs> because it was just... Cause, it well, because so Spain perfect. is a pain in the ass, and she and like, hey, you know what? Guess what? You gotta, you gotta keep Dleek and Zayat or whatever the fuck her name is happy. So we're gonna yep. sing the Rajai version of Ninety Nine Beers on the Wall or whatever, and like, yes, fuck and you, because Spain. they. And because they have an eight-hour shuttle ride, why would you? Know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you? Eggs? Oh God! And, 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 but also just the interplay of like of, of Zia. She's like, because you know, to her, like every single one of those those verses would actually be unique. Like it would be yeah. like singing it to a little kid because the number changes. It's a new verse every time. Oh my verse. God! This is amazing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Speed, that's the best part is, like, Breck starts calling all the AIs, like, that she encounters cousin and, like, the ships. And, like, the ships don't really like other ships, but she's, like, mm-hmm. but we can still, like, you know, we still have something in common. And, and if we, you know, we can still treat each other with respect. So, yeah, yeah. the whole cousin thing is was new. So it's funnier. That, uh, it's just uh, it's so funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um. Uh, my favorite line hold on oops you have like an actual book and i have oh no i i I had my i had my kindle but i just queued it up in advance because i knew i wanted to read that (laughs) preparation um so my favorite line is like the the mic drop line of of of, uh which one is it uh ancillary mercy and it's kind of near the end, and she's talking to. Oh God, who is she talking? Is she talking to an Anander? Yeah, I think this is actually the point where she's um, negotiating how she's going to come to the station and like surrender. So, like right before my uh, the the ninety nine hundred eggs song yeah and she's kind of like telling it how it is she's like look you know this is what you're gonna do this is how it's gonna work you know take it or leave it um and they're like well where did that gun gun come from i smiled and took another drink of tea who are you really justice of torn one ask 19 i said who else would i be and it's just like oh boom Yeah, because this the, throughout that whole exchange, Anander had been basically like needling her to admit that she was another Anander. Yes, she that, thinks that, that she could possibly Anander. like as just a mere ship, 
you know, have caused all this trouble and like done all. Well, of she's these... not wrong. She knows that the access codes that there's some access codes at play, but what she doesn't mm-hmm. understand is that Tizerwat exists. Like right. it hasn't occurred to her yet that that would be a thing. So she thinks that it. Well, it has, but she hasn't identified who it is. She, she thinks it's Breck because Breck is this huge badass. Right. And. Of course, she's like, oh, the biggest badass in the room, you must be me. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Egotistical much? <laughs> yeah, it's just the ego. It's so good. It's so good. Like, these books, I mean, I like that there's, there's lots of, like, tender moments. Like, there's the part where, like, Breck finally kind of admits to herself when they're by the ship that she, she does feel lonely and she does need, like, some kind of physical, like, you know touch and like Mm -hmm. ship tries to convince one of the units to do it and they're like just like embarrassed because it's like they feel like they're above their station and you know and and then like breck's like i know this makes them uncomfortable so like i really shouldn't do it and then like later on there's this whole like thing with syvarden because syvarden has like several nervous breakdowns (laughs) because he's just (laughs) worthless and like several several breakdowns and then at one point when breck is like recovering uh, Syvarden, like, comes in, and he's just like, let me just scoot over, scoot over, and, like, gets in bed, and, like, just kind of like, yeah, I'm cuddling with Breck, because, like, Syvarden totally has it for Breck, like, this has been established since the first book, and Breck doesn't see it, or doesn't want to see it, and so, like, you know, Syvarden's getting that cuddle time that, you know, he's always wanted, and Breck is getting, like, contact, like, you know, which is nice, and, 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 like, everyone else is like, yes, that's right. Our captain and our, you know, head lieutenant are hooking up. That's the way everything should be. And, every, you know, it's just, like, this little family is just, like, suddenly happy. And, like... <laughs> I know. Well, that was the best part that all the all the um the amats the atrepas and the bows are like smiling to each other and like singing songs because yeah and like, they're trying to sing to each other <laughs> yeah because they, like they've been they they thought the whole time that like Syvarden was quote kneeling to breck but like which is you know sexual eu- euphemism but i think at first they thought maybe it would have been like coercive or you know that she had some kind of power over him and then i think as you know like they got to know her and, and him as well. Like they realized, no, he's just, he's genuinely like attached to her and devoted to her. It has nothing to do with like a power play. And they're like, so why, why, why isn't he like, what, yeah. what's so the problem so here? Why isn't he in there? He needs to be kneeling to badass that Breck is. Like people will be like, holy shit. Like, like <laughs> captain, fleet captain is like, uh, like what? And then Sidebarn's just like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be a badass myself, but yeah. I can. Uh, Look at my girl go, though. Uh, I'll get secondhand badass from uh, from being that. <laughs> so proud, just so proud. It'd be like, and then she'll be like, "Go home, go home." He's like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, I'm not going home. I'm not going home. The best place ever is next to you. That's how it's always been. That's how it's always going to be." And you're just like, you know, you get the like the feelings from like you know the steadfast loyalty and just mm-hmm. like, uh they're so it's so emotionally manipulative like you're reading it you're like yes give me more of this i'm really excited that you like it by the way because when i do finally make you read foreigner it's like the same kind of it's the same kind of thing where you you have to take the time to get to know the world in order to understand Mm -hmm. the humor and then like the tender moments and all of that stuff but when you're in it it's like even if you get a little crumb of it you're just like I love it. Yay. Thank well, you more, please. Well, see, that actually that actually makes me really excited to read Foreigner because like the like 
I know you love it and the way you, but the way you talk about it is always so like hedged and you know well you know like not everybody gets it and the first book is hard and like this and that it's like well gosh I don't know maybe I'm not gonna like it so like if it's like oh it's like this I can like it I can is. dig it it's, I just it, having a context you know having a context helps like you know kind yeah. of what you're looking for so yeah so, like, it's if, all about context these are stories yeah. that are so much about con like it doesn't otherwise you're like well okay a rogue ai decides to go up against its maker by treating everyone like people and there's some pottery gets broken and a mystery <laughs> is solved like that's not you know what i mean like that's not very interesting but when you start putting all of the emotional like layers in and like the sacrifice it's just you know yeah i don't know yeah. if it would make a great like movie but i feel like it would make an amazing movie <laughs> so yeah well um I, I would also just to go back to the context like knowing like especially knowing the first book is in a way like it's the inciting incident for the rest of it like and how much yeah. like bigger the story is but it is very much all this story all the same story like it it helps kind of put the first one in a little better perspective because it is kind of slow and it is, you know, especially the first time you read it, obviously the first time you read it, you and I both experienced this where it was like good, yeah. but not like, not this, you know, but like once mm -hmm. you know what, what you're, what, what you're in and kind of can place like th that sort of plot line with the, within the larger plot line, you know, you understand what it is and it's very exciting and you're just like, yeah, even though like it kind of feels like nothing's happening and it takes forever. Like it's, it's establishing so much shit that comes back later and the fact that it does For come sure. back like justifies every like paragraph that you're like why am i reading this <laughs> and like every every character like brex ivar and taizerwa ikalu like even the medic they're all like you know not everybody gets a ton of screen time but they're all mm -hmm. like very lovingly crafted and personified yeah. and i mean like obviously breck is the main character but like i I don't know. Like, this is, like, a very science fiction-y, space opera-y book. Like, mm -hmm. it's 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 in that genre. It's not, like, a breakout. It's not really doing anything crazy with, with the genre, right? Mm -hmm. but, right. But it's, it's, a, it's a novel enough idea, and the characters are so well written that I feel like it is cross-genre, cross like... For, for like people who maybe don't read sci-fi like don't be scared of the weird names just like jump in and yeah. do it but i especially want to like recommend it to people who want to read a story that is empowering for the self like breck is mm -hmm. so sure of who she is and what she wants to be and she trusts herself and that is an amazing and read and moreover, she trusts everyone else to like yeah. to know best for themselves, and that's and that's I think that's what I really appreciate about it is that I guess it's I guess it's because she is so sure of herself, like she almost can't comprehend how someone else couldn't be, and so she kind of gives them the space and the confidence to like right. To actually and I mean, it is something that. that she has earned and figured out. Like she was yes. just fucked up at the beginning too, but she's been through yeah. enough and she's old enough that she's just like, okay, I can handle this because every day is a new problem. It's just another step. It's just, you know, like, yes, keep, keep going, just keep going. That's all and it ever is. Yeah. It's like that yeah. line from Rogue One where she's like, you know, we just take the next shot in the next shot. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what Breck is. And like, you know, she she does depend on people who fuck up, like like Sivarden <laughs> fucks it up. Like 
Oh my god, when she's like in the when they're in the office with Anander and Anander is like nine and like <laughs> and he's just like, Go fuck yourself. Why don't you eat your own gun? Why don't you just go fucking fuck yourself? And I'm like, Say Varden, Say Varden. This isn't helping anything. And it's just like yeah. I'm like, is she gonna is she gonna turn around and moon him next? Like what's gonna happen? Like Cause you're like, if it was Breck, Breck would like out talk her, out like you know. But in the end, it's just Cy Varden being like, "Well, you're just a stupid fucky fuck, and I hate you, and you should just die. You're dumb. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> like you're doing good. You're doing really good. Uh, prime officer material there, Cy Varden. Oh my like god. You were totally, totally supporting the point that the tests got changed later. Yeah, totally. And then, like, goes out the window, right? Goes out the window. And, like, later on, when, she, when uh, she's having, uh, like, lunch or something with Basnide, it's like, oh, I think I saw you. Were you the one that was flying out the window? I was like, yes, did you see that? Wasn't it awesome? I'm like, Sybarden is my favorite. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Uh, he, don't, he, went, he went total... He went total Phi Kappa. Oh my god, Justice of Torin was wrong. Cy Varden is the best. Like, I was, I've been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny, so I feel like I'm trying to, like, make everybody one of the characters. Oh my god. Like, Cy Varden's definitely Charlie. <laughs> like, definitely. Like, Breck is Frank. Cy Varden is Charlie. Sizer what? Uh, probably Dennis, but I could be made, like, you could maybe make it Mac, like, it just depends, but, like, oh my god, it's just so... Sveen would be D, like, unquestionably. Oh yeah, Sveen is D, for sure. I could also be, like, yeah, yeah, and then Anander, the, both of the Ananders are, like, the, the, not the Ponderosas, the, the weird inbred family, the two brothers. (laughs) Whatever, we're going off topic, off topic, anyway. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> oh my god, that made me cry. <laughs> also, I have to tell you, if you can go on Tumblr and check the the Imperial Ratch, like all the the tags for it, pretty great. There's my favorite is incorrect Imperial Ratch quote. <laughs> <laughs> just like so funny. I was just sitting there like, crying and like reading them out loud, and like of course Joey's like I don't understand why that's funny. I don't get it? <laughs> I'm like, and they'll all be like, "Sphine ate a fish." <laughs> it's just one of those books that you need a friend, or at least you can tweet us because you will be crazy. <laughs> and we're here. We're, we're here for you. <laughs> we're here for you. We're here for you. <laughs> So, yes, uh, I think this is our first, like, major, like, fangirl success of the project, so it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I mean, I think I think we knew that, because the whole reason we picked, like, that for a book is we were both, like, we didn't have anyone to talk to. Like, nobody else <laughs> would read it when we read it. Yeah. So. But I did not expect it to be like this. I thought I would I... read it and be like, yeah, it's fine, but now I'm, like, in sweats. Like, I'm, like... <laughs> I'm like, yes. I feel the need to like get up and pace like when I'm reading it because I'm like so invested. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. You, get that, you, 
You get that happy flush and like your heart rate elevates. And yeah. You're like, yes. You're like, yes. this is a good <gasps> book. You ha- know you're happy in book good. noises. Happy book yes. noises. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm like I'm like looking up like like special printings on eBay. <laughs> and like I'm like clearing space. I'm like trying to figure out where I'm gonna put it. Like I'm like, oh yeah. should it go on the cherry shelf? Should it go under the cherry shelf? Like where should it go? <laughs> ridiculous yeah, the, uh, like I, th- I think you and i have both been like pretty thoroughly converted to ebooks so like it these days it's a special book that like you buy in hard copy yeah. but when you were like I, I have to buy these like in real book i'm like yeah 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 they're for worth sure. it for sure all right keep, well keep I'm gonna, I'm, yeah i'm gonna end this supplementary episode uh we won't there's nothing the, the, your assignment is to go read in the imperial ratch books by ann leckie or check out the next uh, actual episode of Read This Fucking Book. Agreed. Cosign. Yep. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>